If you're still deciding on your spring break getaway, Amtrak's got just the ticket. You can visit cities from DC and Philly to New York and Boston, all while enjoying more sustainable travel. Amtrak produces up to 83% less carbon emissions than traveling by car or plane. And did we mention the extra legroom and comfy seats? Book early and save at Amtrak.com. Click or tap the banner. Emissions comparisons vary depending on route and locomotive type. Restrictions may apply. Our society has made a lot of progress in destigmatizing certain mental health issues like anxiety. But this trend hasn't yet reached the full scope of mental disorders. Many of us only know what schizophrenia looks like from movies. But Hollywood's perspective usually only shows one aspect of this disease. Schizophrenia is a severe and often chronic brain disease that affects all of the things we take for granted. The way we think, feel, act, use language, the way we integrate internal and external stimuli, and also the sense of ourselves and the world. That's Dr. Christoph Carell, a professor of psychiatry at Zucker School of Medicine in New York. He says a common misconception is that people with schizophrenia are always out of control. In reality, the symptoms come and go, often triggered by different stressors. Our brain needs to work like an orchestra in synchrony, and that's not happening in people with schizophrenia. There may be one instrument that's very loud and noisy and really gets all of the attention, and that can lead to misinterpretations. You hear voices, maybe see things and then think somebody's out to get you or you can't trust anyone. And also, there are symptoms where people are not interested in doing anything anymore because they have a problem with the reward system. These various symptoms stem from the fact that schizophrenia is different for each patient. Like when you have multiple sclerosis or Parkinson's disease or even another condition, it doesn't always manifest the same way in the, every patient. So the symptoms reside somewhere in the brain. We're not entirely sure exactly which areas of the brain, but it seems to be a specific area, which is called the striatum, but there are other areas too. But then the way this interacts with different neural networks in the brain may be different, and it's different due to genetics, and it's different due to the environment. But there is a common thread of which types of symptoms occur. Carell refers to these two categories as positive and negative symptoms. Positive means that there's overactivity of the brain, which leads to delusions and hallucinations. The negative ones refer to emotions patients should have but don't, which Carell calls the five A's. A motivation, A sociality, affective flattening, a loja, which means that they are not talking much, and anhedonia, not really having fun anymore. Now, this could look like depression, but it is different because people generally don't suffer under this. They just feel, I don't have a life, I don't have friends, I don't care. So when you ask them, are you sad, are you hopeless? They would say, no, I just don't care because there's not enough juice. Like the dopamine is basically our pleasure hormone, and in some areas, it's too little. So there seems to be an underfunctioning of certain brain neurotransmitters like dopamine in one area and an overfunctioning in another area. Schizophrenia isn't solely genetic or environmental. The leading theory suggests that it's a mixture of the two. 
So basically, we all are born with a certain makeup genetically, and that makes you more vulnerable or less vulnerable for diabetes, for example, hypertension or schizophrenia or depression. But then with early life events, particularly life trauma can bring out disease genes or also with continued stressors, there can be then an interaction bringing out the genes. Everyone here who's listening can be made psychotic, whether you're isolated for three months in a dark hole or you're giving psychotomimetic drugs, but some people are more protected and it takes more stress than others. In most people, the disease begins to present in mid to late 20s. It starts out with cognitive issues like disorganized thoughts and jumbled speech, which is often mistaken for ADHD. The negative symptoms follow, meaning that patients appear more depressed, anxious, and withdrawn. And again, it can be very hard to know what the course will be later because it could also be an anxiety or a depressive disorder. The way where it then starts to diverge into potentially schizophrenia is these beginning positive symptoms. People are misinterpreting stimuli. They're seeing things, they're maybe hearing voices or noises. They have some overvalued ideas, uh, not being sure anymore whether they are safe without being fully psychotic. And then later it develops into full psychosis, which means I'm sure these voices are talking to me. It's not in my head. I'm sure people are out to get me. This is when patients begin to talk to themselves, which is often the stage that's portrayed in movies. Carell's research shows that the average duration of patients' first untreated psychotic episodes in the U.S. is three years. Meaning, these people are waking up every day feeling apathetic towards life and unsafe in their own homes. Carell says the only way to combat these symptoms is to get people treated early and consistently. We treat mental health conditions basically with a biopsychosocial model. We think it's caused biopsychosocially and it also can be treated. So we give psychoeducation, talk therapy, group therapy, and also psychosocial interventions to help people maybe go back to work or school. But that's augmentation treatment. The key is really antipsychotic therapy because without medications, patients are very likely to have a chronic relapsing illness. Carell says that with each new episode, medication will become less effective for one in six patients. They have more symptoms. There's more suicidality because people get really very stressed by these psychotic symptoms. And there's burden of disease in terms of having not the ability to go back to school or work. Family and friends might detach from the patients because they've been so sick and they lose a sense of agency and control over their life. So the most important part in the treatment is really relapse prevention. Which can only be achieved through medication. Family therapy can also be helpful, especially for keeping patients consistent with taking their prescribed doses, which Carell says is a main challenge for schizophrenia patients. People stop because they think they're well. People forget because they have cognitive difficulties. People overvalue the side effects of the treatment rather than seeing the side effect of the illness, or they just don't feel sick at all. When a patient forgets or decides to stop taking their medication, family members and physicians often won't realize that choice was made. One way to keep patients consistent is to administer the antipsychotic drugs through injection instead of taking them orally. This way, the doctor knows the exact day and hour that it's time for a new dose, instead of putting the full burden on the sick individual. 
and then we can reach out to them or families to bring them back in. And there's still a lot of medication in the system that only very slowly goes out so that there's a window of opportunity when we learn that they're non-adherent to bring them back and continue the care that is helpful for them to stay stable. For those of us who have a loved one battling with schizophrenia, Carell says the best way to support them is to have empathy for what it means to live with this illness. Don't fault them for, oh, you are lazy because you're not going out and you're not interacting. It's actually part of their disease. Or you're misinterpreting and sometimes you're agitated. It's part of their disease. So to have compassion, but then to support them to get care and stay in care. I think that's the most important piece. Be patient, but also firm enough and affirm that the patient should get care. You can find more information about Dr. Christoph Carell and all of our guests on our website, radiohealthjournal.org. For more behind the scenes, follow Radio Health Journal on Facebook, Instagram, and X. Our writer-producer is Kristen Farah. Our production manager is Jason Dickey. I'm Greg Johnson. Coming up next week on Radio Health Journal... Somebody is worried about me, is seeing me, and is trying to take care of me. When a natural disaster strikes, how can you help the people who've lost everything? Then, science and math are big predictors of success later in life. So how do we keep kids interested? It's a critical age where many students are transitioning and can drift away from their interests in science and engineering. All that and more on Radio Health Journal. I'm Elizabeth Westfield, host of Radio Health Journal. If you enjoy listening to Radio Health Journal, you'll also like our sister show, Viewpoints, which covers a wide array of topics from education to history to the environment. Here's a preview of what they're covering this week on Viewpoints. The big conglomerates have a more conservative aesthetic, so there's fewer risks that they can take. Whereas these small presses, these independent presses, these nonprofits, they can take risks, they can do wilder things, they can be a little bit more creative. Why you should care about the consolidation of publishing. Then. And the doctor said, no way. He's like, I think you're fine. And I'm like, I'm really not. And if you think I'm fine, I'm going to go to another doctor. How contraceptives could be causing a much larger problem. I'm Marty Peterson. And I'm Gary Price. These stories in depth this week on your public affairs magazine, Viewpoints. And that's Radio Health Journal for this week. Follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram to learn more. And check Apple Podcasts, Google Play, and Spotify for a library of past programs. Plus, you'll always find previous segments and information about our guests at RadioHealthJournal.org. Join us again next week for another edition of Radio Health Journal. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.